Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Khalil Gibran said, I love you when you bow in your mosque, kneel in your temple, pray in your church. For you and I are sons of one religion, and it is the Spirit. Today, I hope to bring this quote alive for you, and we can collectively perhaps even move beyond fear. Try Faith Initiative is a unique and ambitious project in the field of interfaith relations in design, scale, and scope. It brings together into permanent residency a synagogue, church, mosque, an interfaith center on one 38-acre campus in the middle of America's heartland. This unique model for peaceful coexistence builds on America's promise of religious freedom and a desire for understanding. In working together, their vision is to build bridges of respect, trust, and acceptance, to challenge stereotypes of each other, and to learn from one another, and to counter the influence of extremists and agents of hate. Sound interesting? I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest, Wendy Goldberg is a founding member of the Tri-Faith Initiative and currently the Interim Executive Director. She served on the Board of Trustees of Temple Israel for 10 years, including a two-year term as President of the Congregation, and was on the Temple Israel staff for seven years as Program Director. Wendy played a key role in communications, volunteer engagement, and the capital campaign during Temple Israel's transition to the Tri-Faith Commons in 2013. She has served as Tri-Faith Communication Chair for a decade, helping to develop communication policy, procedure, and plans for traditional and social media materials. And as a champion of interfaith efforts, that build community and foster trust. I'm going to say that again because I think it's important that this work that she does really does work to foster trust. And now as interim director, she's contributing to the management and implementation of the initiative's strategic plan. And this conversation, I hope, all of you listeners are inspired by really the incredible work and, well, I'm just going to bring her on and, and let you judge for yourself what an incredible project this is. Welcome, Wendy. Welcome to All Things Connected. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And um, as we're recording this, it's Interfaith Harmony Week, United Nations Interfaith Harmony Week. And of course, this is an evergreen conversation where, where people might pick it up any time of the year. So it's a 
beautiful time to talk about interfaith harmony and what better person to have than you. So I am really thrilled to have you on the show and to dig into the initiative that you bring. So we have a traditional first question here on the show, Wendy, and I'm looking forward to hearing how you might answer this because it's a little twist on your work in the world. So could you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? I, I think in the ecosystem, you know, in the, in the environmental system that we live in, in a global society, we are interdependent. And we um, need to uh, take moments to appreciate those connections and um, the opportunities for us to um, live and breathe and breed off of each other's energy um, at its peaks and valleys. And I, I think that um, the work that we do here is an opportunity to appreciate um, that we are um, all part of a world that needs each other to exist. And um, that when we celebrate diversity, particularly religious diversity, as an asset, we um, move towards a more peaceful potential for our world. And, and there, there's just this opportunity for human harmony um, through our connection. Beautiful. Thank you, Wendy. That was really beautiful. And we're going to, we're going to dive into that celebrating diversity as an asset in a few moments. And I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to tell the story of TriFaith, but first let's talk a little bit about you. You were the, one of the founding members of TriFaith Initiative and now the interim director, and you've been an integral part of the development of this initiative. How did your life path bring you to this place as this interfaith champion now? Like I'm imagining this little girl, perhaps even being encoded with this way back when, but I don't know your story. So I just want to ask you with this mm. incredible initiative that you lead, how, how, who is Wendy Goldberg and how did you get here? So you're not so far off. I, I think I did start pretty early. <laughs> I was, um, uh, after I had a bat mitzvah, which was in a conservative Jewish congregation, which was the congregation of um, my family, uh, my grandparents and great grandparents were uh, in the conservative denomination of Judaism. And uh, I had a, a bat mitzvah, the celebration of reading, being called to the Torah, um, being recognized as an adult for the first time um, at the age of 13. And when I finished that celebration, um, I turned to my parents and said, um, This was beautiful, and thank you for the opportunity. Or I imagine that I said that even if I didn't actually, because I was 13. Um, and I looked to them and said, um, I don't see myself in this congregation. I would like to participate in reform Judaism. And that that is uh, the place that I'd like to find, to find my community, to build towards the future. And I had the good fortune that um, my parents said they would be willing to join more than one congregation. And so they kept their affiliation with the conservative congregation and they joined a re congregation of reform Judaism in Omaha 
which is Temple Israel, uh, when I was 13. I, I wanted to participate in the youth movement of that time. It was very social justice centered. It was very much about praying with your feet. And I'd be honest, there were also some really cute boys. And I, <laughs> I wanted to be able to, you know, uh, go to those uh conventions and, and such and participate in uh, the beauty of the music and the energy of the activism. And um, that ended up to be a, a very fruitful um, investment for my parents. Um, and that uh, once I went away to college and came back, um, I became very much invested in that Temple Israel Reform Congregation community, uh, was very involved in the women's movement and, and the auxiliary, um, and moved up through the, the leadership ranks of the congregation. Um, I became the fourth woman to ever be the, the president of that congregation and the youngest to ever be president of the congregation. Um, and in all of those experiences, I found out that, um, my relationship to this work is about relationships, that um, whether I was making relationships with people uh, within our congregation or our community partners, I had so much to learn um, about where my generation's response to faith um, was going to land for me um, and how I was going to be an example of that as I started a family and, and raised children. Uh, I continued a commitment to the Jewish community and was really entrenched in that work. Um, in 2005, I was pre when, while I was president of the congregation, we knew uh, Temple Israel was um, founded in 1871. So we're coming on our 150th year as a congregation. And um, we knew that we had outgrown um, our home and we wanted to move our congregation a bit west. And we were in, in the middle of that conversation and decided, what if we were intentional about who our neighbors might be? And what if we invited members of uh, the Muslim or Christian community to look for land with us, that we may have an opportunity to um, get a parcel of land that wouldn't be available to us if we were only looking for enough land for one congregation? And what if we were intentional about building relationships together. So the, the people who had had uh, had previously been leaders, the clergy, um, Bob Freeman, a local attorney, and Aryeh Azriel, started to have this vision for, for looking um, at building these relationships and came to me as president and said, um, will you sign on to this you know, audacious goal to create in the heartland of America uh, the first ever gathering of religious organizations um, on shared parcels of land. And uh, I said, you know, I, I think this really stands for and with all of all of what I want to lead. And um, I was at that date and for the 14 years that have passed, been very privileged to um, have a seat at the table to um, to try on this experiment and to have different varying roles over time, um, both as a lay leader and um, professionally, um, to be able to grow what my um, connection is to my own faith through this experience, as well as to meet so many people for whom um, their faith journey is a very important part of their identity. And, and probably now learning um, about people um, for whom their identity has an intersection with faith, but, but might not be the same um, as, as their grandmothers.
And, um, and so how do we make the tent big and how do we make uh, faith work exciting um, and move uh, together towards common action in, in creating a place where uh, religious pluralism is socially normative? Mm. Wow, there's so much there I want to impact, unpack. I, and I'm like, really, uh, I'm so happy I asked you this question. I'm imagining this little 13-year-old who, I, I'm going to imagine that you said, thank you, that was beautiful too, because that, that, that's cool. <laughs> but <laughs> but like, like you were talking about, even with your grandparents, like the courage, um, that pioneering spirit that, could say, this isn't the right congregation, and I want to try this other one. Um, besides the cute boys, I, I, there had to be this deep yearning inside of you that 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 called you there. So, um, wow, how brave of you to follow that call way back then. And look and at the my dad. Yeah, you know, I I think yeah. that we you know we we have to acknowledge, especially in the shifting religious landscape, that my parents made space and and amplified my voice. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, too often we as parents look to our children to continue the legacy of our voice when in fact it's more important for parents to uplift a new generation of voices, and and my parents gave me that. Um, that space. And that's really, really a privilege. And, you know, I am going to um, just put an exclamation point on that and thank your parents for their courage and their wisdom, really, to give you that space. Look what they've done for the whole planet in this time, because I am going to tell you what you've done is a model that has repercussions around the world. I think it's incredible. So let's let's first talk about celebrating the diversity as an asset because you you know your vision says I'm going to read your vision. We imagine and work for a world in which religious differences are seen as an asset and strength to be celebrated, where people realize the ability to overcome fear and stereotypes and embrace one another. And that vision in itself is really a healing balm. It's really good medicine for who we are as a species on the planet right now. So how do how does Tri Faith Initiative celebrate diversity? And then I'm wondering, even more personal for you, Wendy, is how do you personally celebrate each one of these faiths? What do you hold precious within each one? So um I think how we celebrate religious diversity as the community of the Tri-Faith Initiative is evolving. And what has been true for us for more than a decade um, is um, in some sense low-hanging fruit um, because we've had the incredible privilege of Omaha supporting the Tri-Faith Initiative in having incredible leaders and incredible funders who believed what many said wasn't possible was possible. So, so the ability to not only dream that 
that we could come together peacefully in the midst of a lot of uncertainty and hate, that people put their time and dollars behind that and continue to show up together um, to build one relationship at a time. We often say it's slow baked. And that's the reason that we've been successful, that in any given moment, we've had the ability to pause and say, who, you know, we might be moving too fast, or we might be over anxious or overexcited. And how do we moderate our own excitement for this to bring a few more people along with us and to appreciate that as we have transitional leadership of lay leaders or spiritual leaders or community leaders, that in each of those iterations, which happen all the time, how do we make space to invite the new person to the table or to honor the person who needs to walk away from the table? And and to realize that in each of these moments, we have something to learn from the people as they join and exit. And, and it, that is, that's the, the, the special sauce here, is that this has been built on one relationship at a time. And um, we never said, um, we never looked at it to say, we're gonna raise $70 million to make this happen. And, and we never, um, thought that any one person was the initiative. Um, and, and having the strength of each other um, to be able to look at the challenge that presents itself on any given day and say, okay, this one might be one that needs to wait a generation. And this one might be one that we can unpackage right this minute and then change our mind. Um, and and we've, we really have had um, the ability to, to slow down and to build trust, um, and, and that's why we still exist, um, and, and that's why we're, we've co-located. And, and our mission for since 2005 has been to co-locate, and as of June of 2000, you know, 2020, our fourth building will be complete. All of the congregations are thriving. And, um, and now the work really begins. And we have to relook at our mission and say, um, how do we help each of these three congregations to be um, viable, healthy congregations that serve the religious, spiritual needs of their congregants and, and broader community? How do we build relationships between each other, and then how do we invite others in? Um, and, and there's just endless ideas and energy and opportunities for us to, you know, enter a whole bunch of lanes um, in a time that it feels more and more important every day. You know, the, yeah. the choices for me to kind of stay home in my pajamas on my couch and binge watch Netflix and worry about, you know, keeping the news turned off or wake up and do the work and um, waking up and doing the work is so invigorating. You know, every day that we show up, it, it really, I, I get to witness just one more little spark. And, and, and I think that's what the next question that you asked me about um, Barbara Taylor Brown's book, Holy Envy really resonates for me um, as I have these opportunities to witness other people in their faith. Um, and, you know, that the, the 
the place where we can acknowledge what religious freedom means. And, and I think we all agree that united we stand, divided we fall as a country, and that religious freedom is our, our, our right. But we don't necessarily have shared definitions of what religious freedom means based on the denominations by which we were raised or our, um, our practice of religion. And once we have the opportunity to kind of witness each other in action, in, in our rituals, in our beliefs, in our daily practice, there's this holy envy that happens where there's an opportunity to really see the spark of the divine in someone else's expression, in, in creating safe space for them to become greater by being connected to something bigger than themselves in a way that is authentic to them that doesn't resonate for me. And how can I look at that and say, wow. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to fit me. I don't even have to try it on or I can. And, and I just can make space for that person to express that connection and just honor it. And, and I say, just that, you know, that's a word I should probably take out of my um, <laughs> lexicon, but you know, it's cause it's hard work, right. Mm-hmm. To, to make mm-hmm. space for people. Um, and, and, and uh, we just had the, uh, a legal scholar, Asma Udin, uh, 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 come and visit about her book, uh, When Islam is Not a Religion. And, and one of the things she said in this definition of religious freedom is to make space for people to do things you disagree with, you know, or to do even the wrong thing, right? And because that is their practice, right? And, and where, is, where are their spaces in our um, world where we can honor that people do it different than we do Mm. without judgment. Yeah, that, that's the difficult place and the, the making space for what we perhaps define as wrong. Sometimes we don't even understand what I, what I find so often, Wendy, I'm sure you do too, is that those who are judging have never even looked outside of the parameter of their own belief system, maybe not even inside their own parameters of a faith that they choose to follow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that someone else chose for them. Yes. Yes. Just like your story of being 13 and mm-hmm. that, that ability to choose so often, especially here in the heartland, I'm in the heartland with you right here. And you know, oftentimes you vote the party that your parents and your grandparents did. You go to the church that your parents and your grandparents did. You, you know, you think the way that they taught you to think and or, or that you you mirrored the way that they think. So this is this is an invitation for everyone to begin like in this moment, if you're listening to ask why, why you believe what you believe and stretch your own internal tent. I love how you said, how do we make that tent big to fit? And so I'm wondering, before we take a break, we're going to take a break in a few minutes, but I'm wondering when I was listening to you talk, Wendy, that that slow baked idea is really important, that that intentionally slowing down, that would be really hard for me because my enthusiasm would be, let's go, let's go. But the practice of really 
being intentional, building one relation at a time is important. But I also heard you speak to making that tent big. So is the the mission and vision holding um, holding that tent for the three congregations and really strengthening the congregations that are there, really making them healthy and strong. But I also heard you talk about making room for others, inviting others in. Is it to reach out to even other faith traditions, even even outside of the three faiths that you have, to invite in others to interact and, and truly build some kind of mega interfaith? dialogue, conversation, community, or is it really to, to really slow bake with the three that you have? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is a hard, conver- this is a hard thing to answer um, with the voice of the support of the Tri-Faith Initiative. I can answer what Wendy Goldberg's vision for the initiative is, which Mm -hmm. is a really big tent that includes a shifting religious landscape that appreciates that the largest growing group are nons and nuns, those who are unaffiliated, who are who are seeking a a community of meaning, but not perhaps the grandmother's version. I I, I think we need to be innovative and I think we need to think excuse me, I think we need to listen to what a next generation wants and needs um, to fill their, their bucket, their soul. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think we have to adjust to figure out what that means in terms of that tent for other people. And we need to find ways to be empathetic and raise the voices of marginalized communities to serve the, their needs spiritually in ways that faith communities um, haven't been successful um, in our current generations and in our current iterations. And, and, and of course, there are exceptions and there's lots of successful pods. So I, I don't want to say that it's all broken, but, but we have lots to learn and we have lots of opportunities. And we are inspired by the co-location of three congregations that are Abrahamic in nature, and we want to honor and uplift those faith traditions and to celebrate um, the ability of each of those congregations and um, uh, theologies to support members um, who follow that, and that we know that being in a conversation with the religious other often deepens your own connection to your own faith. So we, so, so we want to amplify that and to celebrate that. And we are growing to a place to realize that those definitions of celebrating religious pluralism as an asset begs us to ask really difficult questions about the tent and what does um, honoring the Abrahamic faiths do um, that tightens and closes the tent and what opens it and what do our faith traditions and, and, and texts tell us about being in relationship with the religious other. Um, all of them we, we really feel teach us to, to, um, to take care of each other and to honor each other as being created in the image, you know, of, of the divine. And so how, how do we do that 
um, as the religious landscape shifts? And how do we do that when our clergy feel called by God to do the work through the lens which they have made a professional commitment, right? A personal commitment. And how does that look different for 60-year-olds than 20-year-olds? And how does it look different now than it will in a decade? And, and, And how do we more than any other question that I've just answered, how do we realize that what we're doing is an experiment and that we give each each other the opportunity to take risks and to do things wrong and to reevaluate and to try again? Mm. So more than anything, we don't have the answer to the question. Yeah. And that's a beautiful place to be really in that that liminal space between the question and the answer here. And I just, as I listen to you, I think of how valuable you are in this position as a lay leader, that you can hold the tent and host the tent, whereas perhaps a clergy couldn't do that. So, you know, coming from the people and holding that in that place is is an is an incredible asset itself as well. So we need to take a quick break. Thank you, Wendy, and okay. thank you, listeners. We are going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. When we return, we'll have so much more with the Tri Faith Initiative and the director, Wendy Goldberg. We'll be right back. Can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control over my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome to the ocean. I've sailed the seven seas a hundred times and found something I like even more than me treasure. Tis the ocean, beautiful and clear. Right now, I'd be sailing over the Great Barrier Reef. It just shivers me timbers thinking of all the fish and coral below me. Wait, what's that floating by? The plastic bag! By Blackbeard's eye patch, that's disgusting. Why did you know that many of these things come from folks throwing them carelessly on the ground? It'd be true. Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. Boys, get the plank ready. Somebody's got to dive in and get that bag. Any volunteers? All right, fine. I'll do it myself. Find out what you can do to help keep the oceans healthy at KeepOceansClean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. 
Take this time to breathe deeply and close your eyes. Right now, you're completely in control. Unlike the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you tried removing those raccoons from the basement. Concentrate on the soothing sound of my voice. Release the memory of when you wrestled with that beehive in your son's treehouse. Let go of the time you thought that skunk was a cat. Or when you pulled into the garage with your son's bike on top of the car. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious courageous and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful healthy world we depend on so come work with me there's lots of different ways you can do that individually and in groups you can find those opportunities again at the website juliecrawl.com and if you're appreciating this conversation today i really encourage you to celebrate diversity celebrate this Try Faith initiative, go to tryfaith.org, check it out, become a bridge builder. I think you can support them online from anywhere in the world, tryfaith.org. So I'm here with Wendy Goldberg, the interim executive director. And Wendy, I found some words today that I appreciate. I'm going to share them with you. They're words of Lord Jonathan, Jonathan Sachs. And it feels like a blessing for you guys. It says, God has given us many faiths, but only one world in which to coexist. May your work help all of us cherish our commonalities and feel enlarged by our differences. Isn't that a beautiful blessing for Tri-Faith Initiative? It is beautiful. Yeah. Actually, one of his other prayers uh, was one of our first opening prayers at a board meeting. So he's a... He's been along our journey for a long time, so it's uh, beautiful for you to invoke his words here as well. Oh, wonderful. Well, you know, you had talked earlier about that secret sauce being that slow, slowing down, the slow-baked intentionality of of relationships, and... um, I had I literally had a question asking you what the secret sauce was and and you said that so I was just kind of chuckling in the background. <laughs> maybe it's a superpower, maybe it's the secret sauce. But what perhaps let's get into some of the nitty-gritty of of what you've learned and and where you guys are at because um I know we've had another conversation and there there are some different things that are perhaps the challenges, some surprises and maybe you have a different kind of superpower here that that helps you do the work. But let's talk about what have been the greatest challenges so far. Hmm. 
what have been the greatest challenges? I think the greatest, I mean, the greatest challenges is also the, the greatest opportunity. And that is the kind of ongoing narrative of people who say um, it's not going to work. Mm. Um, because um, the, the doubt, right. Whether that is um doubt in all kinds of expression, right? That can be doubt about faith. It can be doubt in humanity. It can be doubt for the headlines in the news. It can be doubt um, of our ability to move this project forward. There's an intersection of all of those things that on any given day can get you down and make you feel defeated. Um, and, you know, the, the next question is, um, what are the motivations to, to recover from that? And um, the, the truth is that the, the work feeds itself, right? You know, once you're part and in this cycle, even though we've had a, a roller coaster of good and bad days, of days that um, sometimes the, the, uh, the news feels insurmountable, um, showing up and realizing, you know, I, I really believe in um, my, my father's teaching when I was little, like his words that he said more often than anything else was watch the pennies and the dollars will fall. And that, that economic principle of compounding interest. And that applies to this work, that, that we can't fix it. On, on, there's never a day where we're going to show up and be like, well, check that box. We fixed social cohesion, you know, we've got that done. And instead it's just to show up and be present. You don't have to know what to say. You don't have to know the next step. You just have to be standing there in solidarity. And um, that's the work. And those pennies add up. Mm. Um, um, It's not that it's easy to stay, you know, motivated and excited there there are certainly days where i lose sleep um but in between that there's an awful lot of feeding of the soul yeah well one of the things that is really beautiful on your website is your agreements and um you know agreements such as the ones that you have listed on your website are really foundational for any organization to come to this place of of sharing agreements and shared values that are at the core of who we be. And so one of the things I'm, I'm imagining when things get difficult, you're invited to head those difficulties, to, to move into that head on, to really not avoid conflict. Many of us want to avoid the issues, avoid the conflict. Like you said, go back to bed, don't get out and do the work, but you seem to engage in those difficult conversations that you you can move toward them and again in that that slow baked way of building trust you're you're overcoming the fear and somehow i'm imagining you can get to the other side of those difficult moments what what is a typical meeting like what is a typical difficult conversation like when you're you're in these places that that may seem insurmountable. How did how does a meeting or a conversation go for you in this Tri Faith Initiative? You know the the meetings are are 
very agreeable. Um, and I think that's that, you know, if you, if you look at um, the book about five dysfunctions of a team, the foundational part is trust. And I believe we have that in each other. And, and because we have this trust, we're able to have conflict. Mm. Um, and, and we don't have to be afraid of disagreeing with each other. Instead, we can invite a conversation to say, help me understand why this is so important to you or why you feel so passionate about this. And, and that leads to us being able to commit together um, and hold each other accountable and get results, right? That, that's kind mm-hmm. of the whole model. And it's that trust that we continue to invest in um, that allows us to believe that conflict is healthy. Um, and, and I think part of that is we don't have an, an expectation to blend. Um, instead, we really want to honor that while we have lots of commonalities, there's a, there's a lot about humanity that has this thread, um, we want to honor each other's differences. Um, and um, our, our culture right now, um, globally, is intolerance, right? Yeah. And we're saying to tolerate someone is really low-hanging fruit. We're trying to scrub the word tolerate from our language hmm. um, because we want to expect more from each other yeah. than to tolerate each other. So, Wendy, how, how do you do this? So, so I'm going to just kind of tweak this a bit because I think this is really important. Many of our listeners are invested in interfaith conversation, interfaith harmony, interfaith um, development of peace on earth. And your community is invested in a way that's formal and that's tied together with real assets and liabilities and timeframes and like there's a, a form and a structure for you to stay together and move through all of these times even from the outside it sounds like most of your stressors are the outside world coming in at you but what would you say to our listeners who don't coexist on a campus who don't share community don't share events don't share what wisdom can you share with those listeners who really seek this interfaith harmony and yet they're not tied together with a campus and opportunities in a beautiful communal center, the milieu of sharing resources together? You know, I, I think it's very similar to the family structure of siblings, you know, that, that when you're in, um, a family and you have challenges with your brother or your sister uh, and you want to be in relationship with them, you make a space to let them be authentically themselves, even if they're different from you. You know, I have two daughters. They're both exceptional. And I mean, I, I, I'm so proud of both of them. I have a son also, I, I think he's incredible. And my children are black, white, and red. You know, they study different things in college. They're, they have different uh, careers. They ha- they're, they're different from each other. And yet they have an intention to 
hold space for each other to be authentic. They, they, they want to love each other. Mm. They feel a deep connection. And in that, um, it's a struggle. You know, there are days where they disappoint each other. And it's okay because at the end of the day, they want to come back and, and be there for each other. And I think the same is true for our communities, whether they are differing faith communities or different, you know, whatever this intersection of identity that we're looking at in gender, in political uh, lines, um, how can we authentically listen to people that we want to honor and yet we disagree with? And how can we say to them, help me understand why you are so passionate about what it is you hold so close? Um, and, and when they're answering, how do we actively listen without curating our response? Cause mm. I think we spend more time thinking about how we're going to respond to the thing the person just said and how we're going to make them hear what, why they're wrong than really opening our heart to hear what they're saying. And when we open our heart to hear what the religious other or the other gendered or the other political person has to say, I, I think we invite understanding in a way that doesn't happen, you know, in our world of technology and sound bites and headlines. Yeah. Um, and we do so much fast judging that when we slow down and listen actively to each other, um, there, there's, there's room to find each other. Yeah. Yeah, so beautiful example. What what's the word instead of tolerance then? What's the replacement? What is that? Mutual respect, understanding, mm. socially normative. <laughs> you know, where yeah. where where it is our culture to appreciate and celebrate difference. Yeah. That that's the asset part of celebrating differences is that it's not about changing anyone it's really about understanding that as as a blessing as an asset yeah Mm -hmm. not easy not easy but i love that idea of um when you're talking about curating our response of really just the pause like how do we live in the pause of true listening without the pressure of responding. And we have to let go a lot of ourselves and come into our a space of vulnerability, perhaps, to really listen. And I think we're called on the planet right now to really question everything that we think we believe to really listen to a, a truer, deeper place of, of, of meaning and purpose, however, that, that might be coming through and really look at it different. So it is a, it is a place of vulnerability, isn't it? It is. And I think at the same time that we appreciate that, um, we all are vulnerable and we also have to acknowledge our privilege. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's so often that, we make these assumptions about being part of um, the normative culture, the mainstream, and and whether that is me as um, a healthy human being. Let's talk about how much privilege I have because I'm healthy. 
Um, and, and, and I think we forget all the layers of privilege um, and that the best thing that we can do to build empathy and understanding is to walk beside people who have a different path than we do. And, and I think sometimes we intend to be helpful by, you know, helping ourselves or other by walking in the footsteps of someone else. We say empathy is being able to walk in their shoes. But if you look at this kind of metaphor of seeing there's footprints in the snow that are ahead of you, and you walk in those footprints, you have erased the footprint that is under it. Mm. So if you make a new footprint alongside that track, then you, you haven't dampered out that other path, that other track. And we have good intentions by thinking we want to walk in someone else's shoes. But the better choice is to turn off your mic and to turn up theirs, right? To listen to the other person more than talk. And um, it's not our human nature. Yeah. That's a really good example. And uh, yeah, that gave me goosebumps when you were talking about the footprints. So before we have to close here, Wendy, I want to give you an opportunity to, I'm kind of curious what it's like to be Wendy Goldberg right now. And so my, my last little question here, maybe not the last, but as we're leaning toward closing this conversation, what is the grace and the grit of your job? What is it like leading the Tri-Faith Initiative? And, you know, I'm sure there, there's a lot of grace and yet there's the grit of that daily grind and getting out of bed and, and working on the pennies um, of the example you gave. What's the grace and the grit of being the, inner, the interim executive director of Tri-Faith Initiative? I, I mean, I think the, the most exciting part for me is being on the team to have a, have a seat at the table and to realize that I have an opportunity to invite stakeholders of all different capacities to come to the table mm -hmm. and believe that they have more skills than I do to do a better job than I can to move the mission forward and to trust that this doesn't belong to any one person or any one community or, or to one congregation or to Omaha or to Nebraska, that these values that we are creating at 132nd and Pacific Street in Omaha, Nebraska, are the values of humanity. And that the more people that can pledge themselves to be part of this work, the, the better off we all are. And, and how do we find the grace and the grit to support and uphold as many people as possible to say, I am Tri-Faith. Mm. Beautiful. And I'm like jumping up and down, wanting to get to Omaha and tour your campus <laughs> and see the building yeah. and meet your people. And you know, when you talk about the values of humanity, as I listen to you today, Wendy, and I hope all of our listeners feel that a, a big yes, like, of course, these are the values of humanity. 
I'm on your side. I'm on the tri-faith side. Let's do this. Like, I can't imagine anyone saying, no, this is not the values of humanity, you know, that it's not okay. I am such a big fan and cheerleader for you. I can't wait to watch what the next several decades have in store for you. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, helping to amplify our voice and and all are welcome here. So please, um, you know, sign on to our newsletter and follow us and and know that um, we want to hear from you. Mm, Beautiful. So again, I'm going to invite our listeners to go to tryfaith.org. It's T-R-I F-A-I-T-H dot org. Sign up for that newsletter and um, become a cheerleader and a supporter as well. So, Wendy, in two minutes or less, is there anything more that you really wanted to say about Tri-Faith Initiative or Interfaith Harmony Week that you didn't have an opportunity to share? Hmm. I I think that... um... Sometimes this task of feeling that we're contributing to peaceful coexistence um, feels bigger than any one of us. And I just encourage people to not worry about whether or not they know what the right words are to say or what the next right action is, but that your presence matters. And that when you show up for people, for someone who is other than you in any way, um, you're making the world a better place and start today. Mm. Beautiful invitation. Thank you so much, Wendy. This has been a delightful conversation and um, yeah. Wow. How beautiful that, that your voice, and I want to, I want to just say to Wendy, to you, that your voice is a very comforting voice. And so hearing you and then having the words come out, has just been a delightful experience for me because your word, your voice is so comforting in the quality and, and energy of it. And then the content of what you speak is just magnificent. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your work with all of us here today. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm going to end with words from you, Wendy. I have a quote from you from the website to share with our listeners here. Coming together in one neighborhood addresses the topic of fear directly. We could never build walls high enough to protect ourselves. But if we were to build bridges of mutual understanding, we together would have the opportunity to move beyond fear. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.